Give us one second. The negotiations are in process. So we've, we've talked a lot already today and I appreciate it. We'll talk just a, a little bit longer here um, because I was thinking uh, as I walked to Shul today about a story that happened the first time I came to Philadelphia. Uh, I was in college, we had a Frisbee tournament nearby. And so on a break, my friends and I, of course, went to you know the Independence Hall area because we're from the Midwest. We'd never seen any of this before. And we were, uh, we were looking around in the cemetery at, I think it's Christ Church, right? Is where all of the like famous people are buried. Um, and we saw one Jewish name. And so we're like, whoa, who is this guy? And I don't remember why we couldn't just Google it right then. I don't know. But we, but we went to like the information center and we we're trying to find out like, who is this person with the Jewish name? And no one really knew. And we saw, you know, the docents have um, all the languages they speak on their, on their cards. And so one, there was a woman there, um, maybe she's in the room right now, I don't know, who had Yiddish and Hebrew as like a language that she spoke on her thing. So we thought, okay, this person is going to know who that Jewish person buried at Christ Church is. So I went and we asked, and she said, oh, he was uh, a banker who helped, you know, finance the revolution. Um, and if, if historians here know, if you've heard of this before, and I apologize, I don't remember the guy's name, but we can all look it up after Shabbat. You, you know, someone new? Chaim Solomon, not a banker, right? If you Google him, not a banker who financed, he was Benedict Arnold's second in command, who also made some somewhat sketchy decisions. And it was this interesting moment where we sort of, I, after finding out about this guy, and we thought, okay, so the lovely docent who was trying to help us, was it that she just didn't know and was sort of like, I don't know, let's go finance. That seems like a good guess. Or was it a profound discomfort that the only Jew buried in Christ church with the other Gadole Hador of the air, right, was a maybe suspect traitor? And that's not a great look for the Jews. I thought of this as I walked to show this morning because it's exactly what Avraham and Lot are worried about in the Parsha that we read today. And so Avraham and Lot, they make it to Canaan. They're here, they're shepherds, they've got lots of stuff. And we read that, they, that Lot with Avraham had flocks and herds and tents so that the land could not support them staying together. And there was quarreling between the herds of cattle of those of Lot, of Avram's cattle and those of Lot's cattle, the Canaanites and Perizzites were then dwelling in the land. And Avram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me on our herders because we are kin. And so they come up with this, you know, okay, you pick a direction and I'll pick a direction. Whichever way you go, I'll go the other way so that there's enough room for us all. But the rabbis point out a line that got stuck right in the middle there. The people are quarreling, Avram's shepherds and Lot's shepherds, they're quarreling. And right in the middle, it says, the Canaanites and Perizzites were then dwelling in the land. And then we continue. So what's that weird interjection that there are other people in the land? One of our classic commentaries, Forno, says, what's going on here is Avram and Lot know this is not a good look for the Jews. That, I mean, which is then just the two of them. But 
Avram and Lot know that they are strangers in this land, and it doesn't look good that they're fighting, and the non-Jews around them are going to get things, oh, those, those Israelites, those Avrahams, they're quarrelsome, they're fighters, they're what, we don't want this look, so we're going to spread out so that we look better. There is a fundamental tension that they feel that we feel today of being publicly Jewish and what that means. Now, at the best of times, it makes us feel good. It makes, you know, we, we pat ourselves on the back that there's, you know, uh, however many Jews who've won Nobel Prizes. We love it when, you know, oh, did you know that the secretary of the industry, he's a Jew. Oh, yeah, did you know so-and-so? It's a favorite game that we play at tables, right? Pointing out who's, actually, who's Jewish in the world. And there are times where it can make us feel profoundly unsafe to have our Judaism broadcast and to have our Jewishness, our otherness, be something that is known, that is front and center, right? To bring it home. I mean, we, I think we all got the emails about the FBI alert to synagogues in New Jersey and, uh, and a conversation I had with some people that um, this year we're not, but normally we're a polling place. And what is that going to mean that there is a Jewish polling place or a polling place that is identifiably a synagogue? Do we need extra security? Do we not? These are conversations that unfortunately have to be had in the world that we're living in. And to some extent, the world that we're living in right now, this country is the kindest, most prosperous place that the Jews have ever lived. This, has been, this land has been the best to us that any of the places in our wandering. It's the safest we've been, thank God. It's the wealthiest we've been, thank God. It's the most prosperous and diverse we've been able to be, thank God. And yet we cannot shake that fear that Avram and Lot felt at the very beginning of, but could this all go away? But what if they really don't like us? And in Avram's case, it shows up later in the chapter because Avram, much like the Jews of today, is forced to be a part of the secular world around him. A chapter after this whole lot cattle quarreling, Avram and Lot get sucked into the war of the nine kings. And there's five kings on one side and four on the other. And they're fighting and Lot gets captured. And Avram has to do like a marine style, you know, nighttime extraction to go get Lot. And he helps win the war. And so Melchizedek, which is known as being one of the righteous of the non-Jews, Melchizedek says, let me help you and thank you. And he turns to him and he says, not a bootstrap, right? Not a sandal strap will I take from you. And the king of Saddam also offers. And he says, I will take nothing from you because I don't want to be beholden to you in any way. I don't want, to, right? Which is a choice that some Jews then and now can make. I want all of my own things. I want all of our own. We want nothing to do with the world around us. The choice doesn't last too long for Abraham. And it doesn't go too well for him. And it's not really a choice that we get to make, nor is it a decision that by dint of the fact that you're sitting here at Beth Hillel and not at somewhere else this morning, that you have made. We want to be a part of the world. We want to be involved in the world. And in fact, we have to be involved in the world around us. Later, a few parshas from now, Avram is going to feel that need again. He's going to feel that need when his wife passes away, and he needs to find a place to bury Sarah. 
So he goes to buy a field because he has no, doesn't have the right land. He goes to buy the, the field from a guy named Ephron. And he says, I want to buy this land. He, the, the line he says, though, is Ger toshav anochi. Right? Ger means uh, a stranger. Toshav means resident. So he says, Ger v'toshav. I am a stranger and a resident among you. And one of our commentaries says that it's, um, it's the, the, I think it's Forno again, says the order is important. It says, Ger v'toshav, I was a stranger. I am now a resident. Can I purchase some land? But Shadal, a later, later commentary, an Italian commentary, Shlomi David Luzzato says, no, no, no. He's offering them a choice. He's saying, Ger v'toshav anochi, which one am I? Am I a stranger among you or am I a resident among you? And I want to posit that this is in some ways a tikkun, a repair of what happened with Stom and Melchizedek, right? The idea that he is not going to take anything from them, but now realizes he has to be a part of the world. Much like all of us here realize that we can't hide. We can't. We can't hide, nor can we build synagogues that are fortresses so that we can't ever be affected by anything at all. But what's Avraham's answer at the end of this? He says, which am I to you? And I actually want to say one extra thing, which is I don't think we should give them the choice. We should be the Toshav. We are residents. We are here. We are a part of this system. We are part of this place and we are part of this people. And what that means, what we learn from the story is Avraham tries to stay completely out of it and it doesn't work. So we need to be involved. And what does it mean for us to be involved? It means we act in the world around us. We proudly act as Jews when we give tzedakah as Jews. And thank God, right, there are many Jewish organizations which help Jews and non-Jews all over the world together. We vote. There's an election coming up. We have to participate. We have to participate, every single one of us. We have to make sure that the voice of our people is heard and seen because we are not the not a bootstrap people anymore. We are the, the Ger and Toshav. We are strangers to some extent, but we are residents and we need to be a part of this people. And we act in the world around us, in the community around us as Jews, we are a part of the systems and the structures all around us. Thank God. Because again, there's a huge difference between the anti-Semitism of individuals, which is there to be sure, and which is a part of our world, unfortunately, and an organized anti-Semitic government or society, which thank God we do not live in. It's not great for everyone, but it is not as bad as it could be. And so we need to be a part of this society. We need to be a part of making sure that our voices are heard in a few moments, in a half hour, we're going to have a security drill, right? It's a security drill, like a fire drill that's important for us to have, no matter what's going on in the world around us, to make sure that our, we're ready to go, we're safe, we know what to do, we know how to do the things we need to do. And it feels really prescient and relevant, given the news of the last week, and given what's going on and what might happen in the week to come. So, of course, we have to do it. But I want to point out, that the Lower Marion police are going to be here to help us. They're going to be a part of it. They stop by all the time to check in. And thank God, they're a part of our life and our society. And we can trust them. And we like, and that is something to be celebrated and something to not be taken for granted. That we live in such a society. When I first came here, the first few emails I got were, you know, from, of course, Rabbi Yanoff, and I know him from school. Like, we, okay, great. 
but from the churches down the street also. Welcome to the area, Rabbi. Let's go get coffee. You know, we want to get together. That is no small thing in the Jewish world, in the lifetime of our people, that we can have such wonderful relations. So the lesson that we learn for all of us is we can no longer be the not a bootstrap. We can't get away from the concern. We can't get away from worrying about, oh, how's it going to look? The Jews, oh, no. We have to be a part of this world. We have to go to the non-Jews around us. We are strangers. Yes, there is that which makes us different. But we are residents. We are here. And we deserve everything that everyone else does as well. And part of that means a responsibility to participate in the system and to give back and be part of the community electorally, monetarily, and civilly. Shabbat Shalom.